from the gladiatorial games of antiquity to the vibrant spectacles of modern-day music festivals. Large-scale events continue to be the ultimate forum for collective ideas, community engagement, and unparalleled shared human experiences. Today, the events industry is more popular than ever, generating over 1.1 trillion US dollars in global revenue annually and predicted to increase more than 10% over the next five years. Nonetheless, the environmental impact of large-scale events is significant and difficult to reduce. The very nature of events, bringing together tens if not thousands of human beings into a physical space, requires the single use of vast resources to deliver captivating experiences and crucial profitability. So, how can we ensure we leave the smallest environmental footprint possible within an industry aimed at consistently delivering ever greater spectacles to audiences. Welcome to Racing Green, the podcast that explores the ideas, innovations, and influences making waves in the journey towards a sustainable future for our planet. In each episode, we investigate the new challenges, ingenious solutions, and the undiscovered opportunities that lie at the heart of our rapidly changing world. We aim to accelerate a new era founded on optimism and impactful collective responsibility. In this three-part series on sustainable events, we've chosen three of the most impressive global event organizations with sustainability at their core to understand their visions and challenges for operating a planet-friendly event. Today, for part one, we talk with Dan Caesar, CEO of The Fully Charged Show, the world's number one clean energy and electric vehicle event. Together, we explore the challenges of balancing event necessities with sustainability and how to educate partners on best practices. Fully Charged is also a high-profile podcast and YouTube channel. Great. Well, Dan, thanks for thanks for joining us here today on Racing Green. Uh, my pleasure. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the world of events. That's a good question. I had to like dive really deep back into into my brain, into my id to to remember when I started in events. I actually started in in, in publishing. Publishing, obviously, in events, kind of. Uh, intertwined uh, back in the day about 25 years ago that was very normal for magazines to have, have events and, uh, and vice versa uh, and uh, so I started in, in publishing and, and as soon as I started doing events I kind of got the bug people do right uh, it's uh, yeah. it's fantastic to, to to do that and actually during the pandemic it was uh, a wonder at any point if those things were going to come back and uh, thankfully they've they've kind of uh, roared back into life so yeah I started doing events uh, probably about 20 years ago uh, or so um, but I was always running sort of websites and uh, and magazines and the awards and that sort of stuff. Um, actually, I, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy the topic I was working on. I was working on some quite, you know, quite dry material, let's say. Uh, and then uh, by happenstance, I got into the energy industry and I started to run uh, a magazine and uh, a big event uh, in the energy industry. And that was where okay. my entire, I guess, uh, career clicked into place because I found... Um, things like heat pumps and, and solar panels and stuff like that really really fascinating this is about 20 years ago so it's a, a, yeah. a bit previous um, and then when I kind of left 
left that job. I set up my own business, which was all about uh, promoting uh, renewables. So I used to have run a thing called the Renewables wow. Roadshow, which was six six events around uh, the UK in, uh, in three weeks, a, a big awards event. And I used to consult the Department of Energy and Climate Change uh, and other types of stuff like that. I worked briefly in the solar industry, uh, in the energy storage industry, uh, fuel cells. I had electric cars. I was kind of one of those um, mad uh, early adopters. Uh, and um, I met Robert uh, Llewellyn, who founded Fully Charged Show about six, six and a half years ago. And uh, happened to say to him, how do you make money out of this uh, YouTube channel? It's fantastic. It's just what we need to help pull consumers into electric cars and, and other technologies. And he sort of said, uh, I don't really make any money. That kind of uh, sort of washes its face. Uh, and I said, well, um, I share your philosophy. Let me help you. And that's how it all began. Wow. So tell us about Fully Charged Live. What do people see when they go there? Well, we kind of um, would term it a sort of festival of electrification. Um, it's it's really different, I think, to most events people are probably used to. It's predominantly a consumer event, but because we were YouTubers, um, we are very much content-driven, content-first. Obviously, lots of shows you go to, lots of exhibitions you go to are kind of full of stands and maybe some some talks and things like that. Uh, we look at it through the other end of the, the telescope, I guess, really. Um, and yes, there is an exhibition, uh, but actually it really is about the content of these shows. So now the show is a bit more mature. Um, the UK show is in its fifth year. We've got six shows around the world uh, in 2023 uh, in total. We've packed it full of kind of uh, visitor, tra- visitor attractions of features because the way we view it is we want our audience to come year on year and we want to, to change it and improve it all the time. So at the heart of it are about 40 or 50 live sessions with the presenters of the YouTube channel. Um, married up with uh, experts. We cover everything from home energy, clean energy, uh, electric cars, electric vehicles, all shapes and sizes. We get into lots of adjacent adjacent territories, whether it's, you know, um, plant-based food or, you know, uh, the future of flights, all these different things as well. So at the heart of it is, you know, really high quality uh, live sessions. They're like chat show uh, debates. Uh, and then we also have lots of other things, as you can imagine, with the electric car market right now. A lot of people want to test drive them. But it's quite hard to get hold of an electric car, so we typically run thousands of test drives at each of the uh, each of the shows. So uh, lots of the uh, major manufacturers, new and older, are present. Um, and then we have loads of other features too. We have a home energy advice team, so people can come with the uh, details of their property and say, "Actually, I'd like to." decarbonize my property or I'd like to save some money on my energy bills and they can talk to experts about how to do that. Uh, this year we're introducing something new called the Zero Carbon Kitchen, which is about plant-based uh, cooking on uh, electric uh, induction with kind of um, vegan uh, celebrity uh, chefs. Yeah, the list goes on and on really. We have things like electric launch pad where we allow car companies to bring cars that aren't quite out yet. They're always a big draw, the things that are coming uh, in the near future. So it really is, a, we try and make it into a festival. It's a sort of fun family event. There's a kid's zone as well. There's all sorts of live music and, uh, and great food. Um, and it's just a, a joy to be at. I mean, from my perspective, what's pretty amazing is most people who have got an electric car or are looking to get one, or maybe they've got solar panels and a battery, they're all like very, very positive people. So it's hard to describe, but the the energy that you get from an event like that is is really amazing. And it's a fantastic for us to check in with our audience every so often because uh, youtube is great but you actually uh, rely on the comments section uh, for your validation if you need it uh, so it's actually much nice to get out and about and meet people face to face and so how many people attend your event each year 
It varies from show to show. We're expecting 35,000 at the flagship UK show uh, in, in April and about 100,000 in total across the across the six events. But they're growing really, really fast. When we first did the, the UK one, we had 6,000 in year one. I think it was 10,000 in year two, something like 16,000 in year three, 23,000 last time out. So we're going for 35,000 okay. uh, this time round. Um, so yeah, they're, they're growing very, very fast. And then uh, we're launching. Uh, we launched a show in Europe this year in Amsterdam. We launched one in uh, San Diego and, and California. Next year, we're launching in uh, Vancouver. Uh, and in Sydney as well as the, those other ones, and we're also doing one in the north of England as well uh, in Harrogate. So it's um, well, it's become mainstream topic, right? I mean, talking about yeah. electric cars and talking about your home energy, you know, a few years ago was uh, very much a niche pursuit, but now most people have got a view on it at least, or or, or interested in it. So it's extraordinary for us, Robert, for myself, having talked about it for almost two decades, to suddenly see yeah, people are like, yeah, come tell me more. Whereas before, people were like, stop talking to me, you weirdo. Uh, so it's yeah. uh, it's yeah. uh, it's a huge uh, huge transformation, uh, and, and it's uh, it's great fun. There's lots of myths out there, so it's quite good to bust a few of those. You, you guys were so early into this thing. It's amazing how it's come to fruition. This world of sustainability and especially electric vehicles. Yeah, we weren't quite as early as as the original uh, originators of electric vehicles. We always kind of find it quite funny that things like solar panels, fuel cells, batteries, electric cars were kind of all really kind of invented and pioneered in the late 1800s uh so we yeah. weren't that early <laughs> um and then we you know humanity chose a a, a different uh, path you know um for how it uh, generated energy and how it, how it kind of moved around um and now we find ourselves you know uh in the kind of the uh, 2020s you know in the fairly early phases of this kind of switch away from combustion towards um electrification towards uh, more sustainable uh, energy but you're right we were really really early it's it's quite it's quite strange it all started off with you know lots of people talking to industry talking to itself saying i'm sure electric cars are going to be big i'm sure solar panels are going to be big but what was really unique about what robert did was he took um robert llewellyn uh, our founder he kind of took um his passion uh for something and he combined it with the fact that he was you know, uh, quite a good uh, presenter. He'd been presenting Scrap Heap Challenge in the UK, uh, Junkyard Wars, it's known in the US. He'd been on Red Dwarf as well. So he had a, a bit of a fan base and he, he took that and applied it to to these technologies super early. Like, I mean, he the first episode, I think he's driving around in a, in, in Nissan Leaf, Mark 1 Nissan Leaf. Um, he probably benefited from the growth of interest in, in Tesla. Um, but it was, you know, very small audiences to 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 begin with as you as you would expect and then in the next month or so we're going to hit our 1 million subscriber mark we had 4.2 million views in uh in September uh, alone it's a genuinely global channel um and we actually think that we're still probably quite early um but we are entering that early mainstream phase now and uh you know uh, Fingers crossed, as long as we, you know, keep our feet on the ground and keep doing uh, what's made the fully charged show uh, so strong in the first place. Hopefully, we'll we'll keep growing, uh, and maybe that growth will even accelerate. Yeah, I mean, I guess the early days were preaching to the converted. How how do you how do you find the audience has changed over the last couple of years? 
It has changed. I mean, I think from from our perspective, you know, the way we look at it uh, is that the people who are getting into electric cars, sort of ten, twelve years back, we they were the ones with the arrows in their, at their back, right? They're the they're the pioneers uh, who who've kind of gone out there really, really early. And there's no real incentive for them to buy an electric car, and they they did it anyway, and they suffered the consequences. Uh, and um, you know, Robert's a good example. I think his first car was a Mitsubishi Imiev. I think he had it in 2008, 2009. Um, and as I understand it, there was only one place you could charge it, and that was behind a locked gate at a Mitsubishi dealership uh, in, in in Gloucestershire. Uh, so you have to be pretty committed, right, to 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 want to go through that pain. So we we have those pioneers, and then we had the the, the early adopters. You know, a lot of those were, were Tesla drivers, but not just Tesla drivers. It was people getting into Nissan Leafs, BMW i3s, Renault Zoe's, those sorts of things. Uh, probably sort of five, six, seven years ago, um, that's when I got uh, my first uh, electric car. And now we're really at that early mainstream. Uh, point uh, and then we still expect that the late mainstream will join sort of later in this decorate decade and then you know kicking and screaming some of the laggards the fifth the fifth third tier as you like will follow in the in the in the early 30s but it is it is there's the same messages are required unfortunately uh, we find ourselves repeating ourselves a fair bit because you know really it is the, the same journey the slight difference now is that um, whereas before if you saw me Pootling around in my BMW i3, you might take sympathy for me and think, oh, "Who's that? Who's that weirdo with the electric car?" Now there are lots of them on the road, and that immediately gives a lot more confidence. There's lots more of them in adverts. You know, it's talked about a great deal more. So culturally, socially, it is slightly slightly easier, I think, now for people to 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 choose it. Although there are still many misconceptions out there, I face them. Uh, daily, and we very patiently try to repeat um, the truths about electric cars uh, and electric vehicles. And uh, often we find, well, almost always we find when people actually try one, they go, oh, what's the fussle about? This is pretty easy. It's quite good fun. In fact, I prefer it. Um, so it's always quite fun because some people think us um, evangelists are too passionate, but our passion derives from the fact that we're saying, actually, we want you to benefit from this. You know, we've benefited from it. We want you to do so uh, too. So I think the the messages and the and the and the kind of discourse around electric cars has has evolved uh, to a degree. But you're now looking at electric cars, aren't you? With 200, 300 mile range, some really quite nice ones. Um, when we first started the fully charged live show five years ago, there was I think we had every single electric car there, which was ten. It was only ten different ten different types of cars at that point. So and now there's something like two hundred. And there's anticipated to be 500 by 2025. So uh, the choice is there. And the one thing that's missing uh, is obviously affordability. That's still that's still the one thing that the industry uh, needs to, to solve. So electric vehicles, electric homes, etc. It's all very focused on sustainability and obviously clean energy as, as far as possible. Today's topic is sustainable events. Um, how much of this sustainability do you have to build into your own event? Yeah, we 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 really believe in sustainability. I mean, that's the whole kind of reason behind the behind the channel. Um, there are some things that we do well, and and some things that we can we can do better for for sure. We kind of take the take the events to to our audience uh, a lot of the time. So so next year, so we've got two in the UK, uh, one in California, one in Canada, one in Australia, and and one in uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, as well, um, so so we 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 do the the, the travelling if you like on behalf of our our audience, um, but actually we're trying to set up teams uh, and presenters and a sort of fully charged network in all those countries as well. So we have, 
employees now in Canada and in, in California and Australia and uh, in the Netherlands as well to to, to help us uh, deliver those uh, events. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to be you know sending huge amounts of our staff over there. And ultimately, we want we want in country teams to 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 run those events on our behalf, so we don't have to to, to travel. But we effectively we have a um, sizable audience in uh, in North America, uh, same in Australia, same in Northern Europe and, and and the UK, and we're typically going to those uh, audiences. So, from our point of view, the amount of people that buy electric cars or get out of an electric car, get onto an electric bike, or you know switch out their boiler for a heat pump uh, as a result of the fully charged show is a, is a, is a very significant number so uh, we feel there's some justification but can we can we be more sustainable in the way we travel to those events where we do that absolutely um, the great shame is that that uh, air travel is is going to be one of the hardest uh, one of the hardest uh, topics to to tackle unfortunately and then in terms of the way we deliver the events what we found when we first started doing the events a huge amount of our audience are, are, are vegans and vegetarians and flexitarians too. And so uh, a lot of the venues couldn't cope with the amount of demand they had for vegan and vegetarian food. They just they hadn't seen it before at, at an event. Um, so from our point of view of, of, of catering, that's another another factor that we uh, we work to. And obviously we try and, and, and do all the normal things like, you know, um, I have uh, plastics uh, uh, and all those things at our events. I think the hardest thing, if you're running an event of any size, is the... Um, sort of throwaway nature of exhibition contractors. Um, and it's hard hardwired into that industry, isn't it? You know, you have you have carpet which you you know you might be able to reuse, but uh, quite often ends up in a uh, in a waste bin afterwards. You have stands that are uh, taken down and bits of them aren't aren't reusable. So that that's probably the hardest thing and that's that's the, probably the biggest challenge for us, I think, over the next year or two, is working out how to to do that element of an event in the most sustainable way possible. We built our home energy advice team feature last year, and we built it to 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 last. And that's one we want to be able to reuse over and over again. But we've also got to educate our exhibitors and and uh, our exhibitors contractors that actually, if the show is about sustainability, we need to do that bet better uh, too. So that's it's quite tricky. You know, it is quite tricky. And if we you know we want to, we want to we want to walk the walk. You know, so uh, it's something we, we, we're constantly, uh, constantly evaluating. So is there anything that you kind of mandate from your exhibitors, removing single-use plastic? What are some of the elements of sustainability that you're, you're working on? Yeah, we, we, do, we, we, we try and educate them. So, you know, we have regular event briefings to educate them on, on, on uh, do's and don'ts. We obviously have an exhibitor manual which advises them what to do and, and, and what not to do. But it's a kind of a constant um, evolving uh, process, as I say, because a lot of the companies actually outsource the stand build and all those bits to, to, to third parties. So, again, it's one of those things we're going to find ourselves repeating ourselves on a, on a regular basis about this. But one of the things that we used to do as a business, we used to have a merchandising arm and we would sell, you know, fully charged T-shirts and polo shirts and, and, and hoodies and caps and things like that. And we stopped that entirely. You know, our, our kind of central mission, if you like, our mantra is stop burning stuff. Um, so we want to move past combustion to all these sort of cleaner, greener uh, technologies. So saying stop burning stuff on stage and then say, you know, why don't you start buying our merch was a bit of a, a bit of a difficult kind of balancing act. So we've actually stopped producing our own our own merch. I think in, in, in initial phases, we would also have wristbands that may be made of polysilicon and things like that. We've quickly did away with that in, in, in favor of, <clears throat> you know, uh, paper wristbands and things like that. But it is, it, yeah, we, each year we're improving and we're trying to take our clients, our, our, our exhibitor base uh, with us. 
our audience are pretty discerning. I mean, they will they would go onto a stand with no hesitation and tell one of the exhibitors, "Look, I don't like this. You're 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 doing something which runs counter to what this show is all about." So um, it is it is interesting. Uh, one of the uh, car makers we had a, a first fully charged live back in 2018 had a lovely electric vehicle out front. It was pristine, and they had the the running lights and, and the air conditioning on in the car. But they had it running off a Jenny, oh, right. uh, you know, a generator, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, we didn't know that beforehand. We just sort of said, "Don't don't do that." But our audience, um, well, let me say they they made their feelings very very clear on that. Yeah, I believe um, Amsterdam is a place where. Sustainable events are taken really, really seriously. I think you're not allowed to use generators in Amsterdam events anymore. I don't know if that's across the, the Netherlands in total. Yeah, the Dutch are pretty switched on and they are highly motivated because quite often when you, when you uh, maybe you go to a Dutch person's house, quite often you'll see a picture of the family and uh, you'll see them all in the garden together and actually behind them you'll see uh, the dike that's actually preventing the water from flooding into their, their garden and surrounding area. They're very low-lying. They're very at high risk. So uh, the Dutch move towards sustainability has been quite rapid. So whether that's um, banning the installation of uh, gas boilers in favour of uh, electrification of heat, uh, it's you know uh, replacing, uh, making sure that all the boats uh, on the canals in Amsterdam and other uh, cities in, uh, in the Netherlands are electric, sustainable practice around uh, events all these things they're pretty they're pretty hot on that so there's always countries to to look to you know that take this sort of stuff seriously and uh, yeah we 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 really enjoy um uh, we enjoy being in the netherlands uh it's it's kind of a very advanced progressive society and that's the reason why this year we're actually doing our awards event as well so we're doing the first fully charged awards event this year which will be global consumer choice awards and we've decided to host that uh, in Amsterdam alongside Fully Charged Live Europe uh, in November. And again, that's an opportunity to uh, drive sustainability and to reward companies that are, are really making a, a big effort, albeit in the energy and transport sector, because obviously that's our, that's our wheelhouse. What's the future for Fully Charged? What can you imagine in the next two or three years? Well, we're working on a few different things. Um, the team is... Uh, not really forgiven me yet that we'd go up to six events uh, in 2023 already, plus an awards event. Uh, I mean, I think logically events are, um, you know, a great way to uh, persuade people. Um, people always want to, to touch and feel these technologies, whether it's test driving a car or talking to an expert about uh, a heat pump. So we would see maybe some more events in our future. I mean, we're a relatively small business, mm. so obviously that's a, a fairly yeah. big, uh, big endeavor, but we could certainly uh, also grow the audience of the shows that we already do. Uh, we're super excited about the awards event. Uh, the YouTube channel, we have two channels, actually, we have Fully Charger and Everything Electric Show, uh, which focuses uh, more on, on, on home energy. Um, so we're putting out um, about three videos uh, a week. We have a, a podcast as well uh, every week. So we, we, we're, we're pretty busy, but there's always room for, for more. We think there's more influence we can bring to bear. So there's, there's two or three kind of new uh, projects we're, we're working on as, as well. I guess one of them is the awards, but most notably the other two. Our, uh, a retail proposition where we might work with uh, shopping centres to have almost like a, a fully charged uh, shop and uh, yeah. test drive activation. So we're working on that uh, currently, which we think there's something that could go global. We do thousands of test drives at our live events, but when the when the weekend ends, those test drive ends. So we would love to be able to provide mm. that service all year round. And also, probably no surprise, and we've talked about it uh, a great deal over the last two or three years, we, we also think that 
not everyone watches YouTube. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we could uh, we could uh, replicate the fully charged show success uh, on a mainstream broadcaster uh, or on a streaming service? So uh, those are some of the things that I'm I'm working on. That's enough for 23, 24. But yeah, I mean, going sounds forward, like a lot. Yeah, yeah. no, we've got like, we've got you know very exciting plans. I think we've got a we've got a we've got a great team in place now. There's about forty five of us uh, across the business, um, and from our point of view. It's weird, but it's still quite early in this sector. So, so there's lots more that we think we can we can do. And so, you've amassed a really great following over the last few years, and you're now in a really good place. What do you see are the remaining challenges to accelerate your impact and and have more people join your community? I mean, certainly, you know, we've got a good team, and we we know if we've all we've all contributed. But you know, Robert's foresight to set up the channel in 2010. And to build that audience, that community patiently over time, that audience of potential EV drivers, existing EV drivers, you know, energy savvy people um, is really, you know, is something that it takes a long time to build. And, and he's, he's, he's done that now. And, and um, you know, that's, that's why we're able to, to kind of uh, grow quickly. But, you know, from our point of view, there's nothing better than someone coming up to say, I've, you know, I've changed the way I, you know, travel, I change the way I live as a result of, of fully charged. We, we we get that all the time, and that that's that's the sort of yardstick we think yeah, we, we, we you know we want to do more of that. And there's plenty of people out there still, you know, who haven't haven't made the the move for one reason or another. And I think the the the, the, the biggest issue for us is affordability of some of these technologies. So we're certainly laser focused on on making it easier for people where we can. Uh, and there are things you can do where you don't necessarily need to spend on a car or spend on a heat pump. There's other ways you can you can change uh, your lifestyle as well. So for us, that's the biggest worry of all these things. Are they just expensive, you know, expensive uh, technologies for the, for the middle classes? We absolutely think that shouldn't be the case. And so that's, that's our, I'd say that's our biggest challenge of all is, 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 is making sure that, that uh, people don't get left behind and people can all participate uh, in this, you know, really exciting time. When Sydney, by the way, that's my hometown. Uh, it's March 11th and 12th. Um, we're really excited about about that. Um, it's at the I- ICC. There's such a strong desire from the Australian market right now. You know the the political change in Australia, um, the, the 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 lack of the lack of EVs to this point uh, means that there's just an incredible demand. In fact, a strange but exciting statistic is if you've got a youtube channel you can get quite a lot of data out of the youtube studio that sits behind that and uh, I, d- I hadn't realized this um, until after we decided to go to australia and after we chose sydney but you can look by which cities you're most viewed in and extraordinarily which says a lot um london was obviously our number one um and america's a big audience as well but obviously lots of cities out there more diffuse so our number two city was sydney our number three city was Melbourne and the number five city was Brisbane. So we had three of the, the top viewing cities in, in the world were in Australia. So I think they will be more excited than anyone to, to see us uh, down there, uh, you know, um, bringing electric cars uh, and uh, home technologies and uh, into the kind of uh, live event scenario. Well, Dan, thanks for joining us here today on Racing Green. Yeah, that was my absolute pleasure. Thank you. And that's all for this episode of Racing Green. Thanks for joining us. In our next episode, we'll talk with Rosemary Lucotte, co-founder and COO of Change Now, a global climate change summit based in Paris. Racing Green is produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, 
Chris Bristow, Georgina McGiven, in collaboration with the Camden Clean Air Initiative. It was recorded at Serendipity Studios in Camden, North London, with music and sound design by Chris Bristow. 